Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Only you can My soul is set a happy day. My Santenadanador Boshidele Balatiase. Father, thank you for a brand new day. Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. Lord, as I wake up to a new day, I know I wake up to goodness, to new mercies, to new love, to new grace, to new, a new privilege, Lord, to be able to express my love for you. And so this morning, Lord, I declare that I love you from the depth of my heart. Uh, this morning, I worship the beauty of your holiness. Indeed, Lord, I declare this morning that you are a good God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who is worthy of praise, glory, and adoration. Father, I exalt you this morning because you are a covenant-keeping God. Be glorified, O God for your mercies this morning, for your grace this morning, for this privilege to be able to come into your presence and worship you. Lord, we say thank you. Be glorified forevermore. As we learn again today in your presence, as we read the word of God together, Father, we ask, Lord, that you will speak to us. We ask this morning, Lord, that your word will resonate in our hearts, that we will receive the grace this morning to become the doers, those who practice the word. In the mighty name of Jesus, let us go from here, our fellowship with you better. Lord, our walk with you better. Our walk with you deeper. Lord, Father, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Alright. Good morning, a good afternoon, good evening to everyone joining into our podcast, our devotion this morning. I am Murphy Aye Nike saying welcome and sharing devotion with you. Today we'll take the final two chapters of the book of First Kings. So just like that, we are through the book of 1st King, we will, we will take 2nd King next. Uh, we will see that Elijah continues as Ahab passes on and his son takes over. Elijah will confront um, uh, the new king. But first, let's finish this one. So remember where the story, we left off the story in 1st Kings chapter 20 yesterday. Um, Chapter 19, Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal, takes them out, and then Jezebel threatens his life, and Elijah runs away. In chapter 20, we saw, okay, that fight between Ben-Hadad, okay, and Ahab, and how Ahab spared him, and the prophet told Ahab, your life will go for ease. Yes, your life will go for ease. So we'll see how the story continues and how this will come back to bite Ahab in the foot. Uh-huh. So in chapter 21, we'll see that very popular story. So this was when one of the first stories I learned about Ahab and Jezebel. 
and that is about Naboth's vineyard and how Jezebel schemed to get it. We'll see what what we can learn, we can what lessons we can take from there. And then in chapter 22, we'll see Jehoshaphat and Ahab go to war to fight against Aram. Hmm. And yes, yeah, uh, this is where Ahab will die. But of course, um, we'll see that Jezebel will press on, will continue. All right, so please quickly get your Bibles and let's read this one together. First Kings chapter 21. Let's go. Now uh, there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. One day Ahab said to Naboth, Since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it to use it as a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay you for it. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. So I'm sure you remember when the lands were being divided, you know, and given to to the tribes, literally to 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 the families. You know, God always told the children of Israel. I'm sure you have not forgotten how lands were supposed to exchange and and how they were never supposed to permanently exchange hands. Okay, at the jubilee, uh, it must revert back, you know, to the original lands, the families that own that has the inheritance that own those land. But now that the king is asking for your land of course you know that this is permanent okay the king is going to take this land from you and whatever land is going to give to you <laughs> maybe would have been seized from somebody else and you would then be taking somebody else's land and then on by the year of jubilee uh, you are uh, landless if i can use the, that word okay so uh, naboth says no I'm not giving out, you know, uh, my inheritance, you know, uh, to anyone. Verse 4 says, So Ahab went home angry and sullen uh, because of Naboth's answer. Uh, the king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. So, yes, he was sulking. Verse, <laughs> verse 5 says that, What's the matter? His wife Jezebel asked him, What's made you so upset that you are not eating? Verse 6, I asked Naboth to sell me uh, his vineyard or trade it, but he refused, Ahab told her. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded. Get up and eat something and don't worry about it. I will get you Naboth's, Naboth's vineyard. And I'm telling you, this woman was wicked. People feared her. Yes. Hmm. When they call someone a Jezebel, I think they, they, they don't even know what they are saying. Yes, people failed her. She said, don't worry. I will get that. Is it not the vineyard you want? I will get it for you. Let's go on. Chapter, verse 8 says, so she wrote letters in Ahab's name. Remember, she wrote letters in Ahab's name. So in other words, when those ones received the letter, it would have been in the name of Ahab. So she was literally writing on his behalf. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent them to the elders, elders and other leaders of the town where Naboth lived. 
So I'm sure when the elders received this letter, he says that King Ahab said, this is what you should do. Okay? And of course, his seal is on it. You would think that when the elders are carrying out that instruction, they think that they are obeying Ahab, right? Don't worry. Let's continue. Verse 9 says, In our letters, she commanded, Call the citizens together for a time of fasting and give Naboth a place of honor. And then uh, sit two scoundrels across from him who will accuse him of cursing God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. So, imagine how wicked this woman is, right? They were supposed to pretend, you know, and um, one of the description the Bible talks about this is when you are leading a sheep to the slaughter, you know, and they are supposed to pretend as if they are honoring this guy, Naboth. They were supposed to give him a place of honor, a seat at the top. Everybody thinks he's being honored. And just when he is happy and rejoicing and smiling, thinking, wow, what is this honor I'm getting? Then two people are supposed to come and accuse him. And with that accusation, without any proof, they were supposed to stone stone him to death. I don't know about you, but this is one of the first time that we will hear a crime like this, you know, being being committed. Um, the last times we read about anyone being stoned to death, okay, was when Moses was giving out the the book of the law, and it was clear that look before this ever happens, there were supposed to be you know um, clear evidence given and witnesses given you know to whatever accusation of course that's why you have two people okay so 11 says so the elders and other town leaders followed the instruction of jezebel followed the instruction jezebel had written in the letters they called for a fast and put nabot at a prominent place before the people before the people so in other words uh, the people were thinking he was being honored yes then uh, the two scoundrels came came and sat down across from him and they accused Naboth before all the people saying he cursed god and the king where is the proof where is the proof continue he says so he was dragged outside the town and stoned to death hmm the town leaders then sent words to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. Hmm. Did you see that in verse 14? It says the town leaders then sent words to Jezebel. They didn't send word to Ahab. They had received, obviously, the instruction in the name of Ahab. I'm not sure if Jezebel signed it that, oh, the king instructed me to tell you she was writing as if the king was the one writing and sealed with the seal of the king. But when they were going to reply, they sent a message directly to her, to Jezebel. And I'm telling you, this woman was uh, her. You, you feared her, okay, at your own peril. You better, you better just be gentle around her. If not, you know that your life will go. You your life will go for it. So it says that they sent her this message. Naboth has been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard the news, she said to Ahab, "You know, divine yard Naboth wouldn't sell sell you. Well, you can have it now. He's dead." So Ahab immediately went down to the vineyard of Naboth to claim it. So you know, yes, you know how lands pass in Israel, right? So there is no way the king 
he will still have to con- confiscate this land because there is no way the next person you know to Nabot in terms of a family member should be the one to inherit the land but yes um ahab comes and then they want to take the land verse 17 says but the lord said to elijah go down to meet king ahab of israel who rules in samaria he will be at Naboth's vineyard in jezreel claiming it for himself give him this message this is what the lord says wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? must you rob him too because you have done this a dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they licked the blood of naboth so okay so that i'm sure that that instruction was very very clear you know to elijah so elijah goes verse 20 says so my enemy you have found me ahab exclaimed to elijah obviously when they met then uh elijah yes elijah answered i have come ac- I have come because you have sold yourself to what is evil in the Lord's sight. So now the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you. I will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. I am going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam, Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and the family of Bahasha, son of Ahijah, for you have made me very angry and have led Israel into sin. So the truth is, when you think about what God said, Elijah should come and tell Ahab. And what Elijah is telling him, you know that the instruction God gave <laughs> Elijah was far more than that. Because what Elijah is talking about, you know, spans practically the life of Ahab. He then says, and regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, dog will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of land at the plot of land in Jezreel the members of Ahab's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures no one else so completely sold themselves verse 25 uh, to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife okay so his wife was a strong reason why Ahab was this was this terrible Verse 26 says, his worst outrage was worshipping idols, just as the Amorites had done. And I'm telling you that this is very, this one word here, just as the Amorites had done, is very, very, very powerful. In other words, Ahab was worshipping these gods exactly the way the Amorites, the Amorites did. For those children of Israel who fell into idolatry, at least they will still be patching things together and be trying to do it little by little. But this guy does dive right in. And how did they worship their gods, the gods, Chimach, um, Molech, you know, it's a human sacrifice. Yes, human sacrifice. They offered human beings as sacrifice. And that was what Ahab was doing. Mm. That was what Ahab was doing. He says, just as the Amorites had done, the people whom the Lord had driven out are from the land ahead of the Israelites. Uh, but when Ahab heard this message, 
he tore his clothing, dressed in burlap, and fasted. He even slept in burlap and went about in deep mourning. Hmm. Verse 28 says, Then another message from the Lord came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has done this, I will not do what I promised during his lifetime. It will happen to his sons. I will destroy his dynasty. Hmm. So for me, this is, I remember well, well, the first time I read this verse, it was very, very confusing. You know, how flimsy does God seem? This guy has been so, so, so terrible, you know, and then you will just forgive him like that. Yes, that is the message of God. God sees us eventually that we are but human beings, okay, and fragile in his sight. But when anyone turns to the Lord, Ah, the Bible says, you know, God receives him. Jesus himself will go on to say that, look, uh, that I will not cast anyone away that comes to the Lord. Uh, no, God will not cast them away that comes to the Lord through him. Okay, so very, very important. So as terrible as Ahab was, as bad as Ahab was, when he repented, God had him. Okay, so I don't care what you are going through. I don't care what struggles uh, you have in your life. Turn to the Lord. Your relationship is with him and not with any man. Ahab's battle was not with Elijah. It was to turn to God. And when he did, you know, and fasted, God had him and God forgave him. Let's continue and finish First King chapter 22. It says, For three years there was no war between Aram and Israel. Then during the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah went to visit King Ahab of Israel. And during the visit, the king of Israel said to his officials, Do you realize that the, that the town of Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And yet we've done nothing to recapture it from the king of Aram? And then he turned to Jehoshaphat and said, and asked, Will you join me in battle to recover Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, Why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops, and my horses are your horses. Then Jehoshaphat added, But first, let's find out what the Lord says. Yes, because you remember Jehoshaphat had been raised well by his father Asa, okay? So uh, he knows that, look, before we go into battle, we should ask God. And so, verse 6 says, So the king of Israel summoned the prophets, about 400 of them, and asked them, Should I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or should I hold back? You can be sure these are the prophets of Baal. Mm-hmm. They are not the prophets of God. They all replied, Yes, go right ahead. The Lord will give the king victory. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? We should ask him the same question. So in other words, Jehoshaphat could tell the difference that these 400 people that are speaking here are not the prophets of God. They are not speaking on behalf of God. Is there no prophet here? Hmm. Verse 8. The king of Israel replied to Jehoshaphat, There is one more, one more man who could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. His name is Mekahiah, son of Imaiha. Jehoshaphat replied, That's not the way a king should talk. Let's hear what he has to say. 
So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Quick, bring um, Machahiah, son of Imaiha, verse 10, uh, King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah, dressed in their royal robe, were sitting on thrones at the threshing floor near the gates of Samaria. All of Ahab's prophets were prophesying there in front of them, <laughs> one of them, Zedekiah, Zedekiah, son of Kenaana, made some iron horns and proclaimed, This is what the Lord says. With these horns, you will go the Arameans to death. So I can imagine Jehoshaphat is just looking at all of these people. <laughs> you are not speaking for God. I want to hear a prophet of God. <laughs> verse 12 says, All the other prophets agreed. Yes, they said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, for the Lord will give the king victory. Hmm. I always say, it is, Can you stand against a crowd? Can you stand against a crowd for God? Will you stand and you know? Will you stand for God when it seems like that is what is unpopular? It's not popular at at this at at any time. Yes, that is what this prophet will have to do. That was what Jehoshaphat was asking for. Every other person is saying it was going to be positive, but he knew that something was wrong. He knew that something was wrong. And so the old nation could be going in one particular direction, and whereas they are going against the word of God. So yes, they say that the voice of the people is the voice of God, and so in the direction everyone is going seems to be where God is living. Ah, it is not also always like that with God. Okay, so even if everyone is going in one direction, you more always must be able to hear God. Verse 13, meanwhile, the messenger who went to get Mekahiah said to him, Look, all the prophets are promising victory for the king. Be sure that you agree with them and promise success. But Mekahiah replied, As surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what the Lord tells me to say. Then Mekahiah arrived before the king. Ahab asked him, Mekahiah, should I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should we hold back? Hmm. Mekahiah replied sarcastically, Yes, go up to war and be victorious, for the Lord will give the, will give the king victory. But the king replied sharply, how many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me when you speak for the Lord? Then Micahiah told him, In a vision I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, like sheep without a shepherd. Obviously, when the sheep loses his shepherd, it means the leader is gone. So he's just simply telling him, I am seeing the vision I saw is that uh, Israel loses his king. Yes, he says, like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, uh, their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. Verse 18, didn't I tell you, the king of Israel exclaimed to Jehoshaphat, he never prophesied anything but trouble for me. Then Mekahiah continued, listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the armies of heaven around him, on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? Uh, there were many suggestions. And finally, a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. 
how will you do this? The Lord asked. And the Spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. Uh, You will succeed, said the Lord. Go ahead and do it. So, you see, the Lord has put a a lying spirit in the mouth of all your prophets. For the Lord has pronounced your doom. Then Zedekiah, son of Kenahana, walked up to Mechahiah and slapped him across the face. Since when did the Spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you? He demanded. (laughs) And Mechahiah replied, You will find out soon enough when you are trying to hide in some secret room. Arrest him, the king of Israel ordered. Take him back to to Ammon, the the governor of the city, and to my son, Joash. Give them this order from the king. Put this man in prison and feed him nothing but bread and water until I return safely from the battle. But Mechahiah replied, If you return safely, it will mean that the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, uh, then he added to those standing around, around, everyone mark my words. So, hmm, this guy was literally standing against a nation. And I'm telling you, I doff my heart. Respect to Mechahiah. Let's continue verse 29. He says, So King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, As we go into battle, I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me. But you wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. I don't know what Jehoshaphat was, was thinking of, but it must have been very, very stupid. Obviously, Ahab believed what Mechahiah has said. And so he disguises himself as if he's maybe just any other person, maybe just one of the soldiers. And so naturally, no one would be looking for, for, for him as an ordinary soldier. Everybody would have been looking for Jehoshaphat, thinking that he is King Ahab. And that is exactly what was going to happen in battle. Verse 31 says that, Meanwhile, the king of Aram had issued disorders to his 32 chariot commanders. Attack only the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. Hmm. Verse 32, So when the Aramean chariot commander saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. This is the king of Israel, they shouted. But when Jehoshaphat called out, the chariot commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, and they stopped chasing him. Hmm. <laughs> God saved you, Jehoshaphat. So big lesson for me here. Aha. Uh, be careful those you go and... Um, unite yourself with be careful those you form alliances with it can cost you your life it almost cost jehoshaphat his life here Uh, but thank god that when he cried out somehow the chariot commanders were able to distinguish his voice were able to distinguish that no this is not the king of israel so there must have been something unique about about ahab right Let's continue. Verse 34 says, An, an Aramean soldier, however, randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troop and hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. <laughs> That's what, that tells you one, one strange thing about God. An Aramean soldier with no name randomly just picked up his bow and arrow, shoots it towards the Israelite troop, and it went to eat the king. 
he did not eat the king alone obviously the king would have been putting on his armor his armor usually would have been the best of all of everyone right there at the battlefront and the bible says that it eats the joints of his armor okay so usually you will have the joints maybe um in the shoulders you have them in key places okay so that it is easier for the for them to be able to move why why they have those armor maybe in the elbow in the wrist uh maybe the the, the shoulder the shoulder blades area that's where they they um, you have those places. the arrow went directly there and eating ahab declared turn the horses and get me out of here ahab groaned to the driver of his chariot and badly wounded 35. The battle raged all that day, and the king remained propped up in his chariots uh, facing the Arameans. So they had to continue to um, uh, make face. They had to just make it look like everything was all right. Whereas everybody knew that the king was already wounded. Shouldn't they have taken the king and gone to treat him? But I'm sure they knew that as soon as they took the king out of that battlefront, everybody will flee to their own house. It says, it continues. It says, uh, let's take that again. The battle raged all that day, and the king remained propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans. The blood from his wound ran down to the floor of his chariot, and as evening arrived, he died. Hmm. Just as the sun was setting, the cry ran through the, his troop, We are done for. Run for your lives. So what they were afraid of, what they were propping, propping up, and just, you know, forming for everybody eventually happened. Everybody to your tent. Everybody ran. Verse 37 says, So the king died, and his body was taken to Samaria and buried there. Then his chariot was washed beside the pool of Samaria, and dogs came and licked his blood at the place where the prostitute bathed, uh, just as the Lord had promised. So you see one thing about God? I'm sure he's thinking that how will blood come to come to the battlefront? Uh, but you see now, exactly what God said eventually still came came to pass. So big lessons for everyone. I, I don't know about you, but I have learned so many lessons here. You know, what was the need for them forming? Okay, what was the need of them just save trying to save face you know when they could have gone to take care of the king and maybe he would have survived this but no okay um eventually he died he says so the bible says just as the lord had promised 39 the rest of the events in ahab's reign and everything he did including the story of the ivory palace and the towns he built are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of israel so ahab died and his son ahaziah became Ahaziah, became the next king. 41. Jehoshaphat, son of Asa, began to rule over Judah in the fourth year of King Ahab's reign in Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 25 years. His mother was Azubah, the daughter of Shelai. Jehoshaphat was a good king, following the example of his father Asa. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. During his reign, 
during his reign. However, he failed to remove all the pagan shrines and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense. You will see again and again this, uh, this uh, limitation was just in the life of all the king. They all could just not achieve removing uh, the place where people burned of incense and made sacrifice. Jehoshaphat also made peace uh, with the king of Israel. 45. The rest of the events of Jehoshaphat's reign, the extent of his power and the wars he waged are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. He banished from the land uh, the rest of the male and female shrine prostitutes who will who still continue their practice from the days of his father Asa. 47. Uh, there was no king in Edom at that time, only a deputy. Jehoshaphat also built a fleet of trading ship to sail to Ophir for gold, but the ship never set sail, for they met with disaster in their own port of Exion Geber. At one time, Ahaziah, son of Ahab, had proposed to Jehoshaphat, let my men set sail with your men in the ships, but Jehoshaphat refused the request. When Jehoshaphat died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Jehoram became the next king. Ahaziah, son of Ahab, began to rule over Israel in the 17th year of King Jehoshaphat's Jehoshaphat reigned in Judah. He reigned in Samaria two years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the example of his father and mother, and the example of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who had led Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshipped him, provoking the anger of the Lord, the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, just as his father had done. Wow! So what a wonderful read today i don't know about you but i have been blessed many lessons to learn today i pray that as we take this lesson with us god's presence goes with us today in the mighty name of jesus we will not go into wrong alliance like jehoshaphat in the mighty name of jesus i am praying for someone when you see that there is something to change in your life god will give you the grace to be able to repent in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray for your people. Bless today for them. Lord, let them be successful in everything they lay their hands on to do. Let your name be glorified in their lives. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.